history of Oklahoma is about winning championships. Brooks trying to make something happen. He breaks free. Kennedy breaks out. Forget the field goal. Win it with a touchdown. What is up, Sooner Nation? I am Casey Mallon, and you are now in a Sooner state of mind. Make sure you like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just for the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA to international soccer. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code Believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sooner state of mind, family. Good Lord, do we have a lot to unpack today. We talked last week about how much things can change in a week. Well, this week told last week to hold its beer. This is just a LaCroix, but I did that for dramatic purposes. (laughs) We're going to do things a little different this week and hit game recaps first and then get into the meat and potatoes. Friday night, number five, Oregon at number three, Washington. The Ducks came in as nine and a half point favorites. And back in October, UW won this game 36-33. Back and forth game that went down to the wire. And guess what? This game was more of the same. Really tight. Down to the wire yet again. But when all was said and done, the Huskies won 34-31. Oregon did play well, but this game was all about Michael Penix Jr. and Dylan Johnson. Every time the Huskies needed a big play, it was one of those dudes delivering, especially after Oregon went on a 21-0 run to take a 24-20 lead in the third quarter. That's when Penix led a 10-play, 75-yard scoring drive capped by a one-yard TD run by Dylan Johnson. The Huskies followed up that drive with a 12-play, 82-yard drive, culminating with a two-yard TD pass by Penix to Quentin Moore. And as I was watching, I thought, that TD pass, that was Michael Penix Jr.'s Heisman moment. That was until Penix converted a huge third down with less than two minutes to go in the game to keep the ball away from Bo Nix and those Oregon Ducks. And then an 18-yard Dylan Johnson run on third and nine sealed the deal. Johnson on the day, 28 for 152, two touchdowns and a TD throw. Penix Jr., 27-39, 3-19, a touchdown and interception. Huskies improved to 13-0 and booked their spot in the college football playoff. 
Undefeated teams win in their conference. They always go. Then it was number 18, Oklahoma State at seven. Texas Horns were 15 and a half point favorites. And I mentioned last episode, we were robbed of seeing OU versus Texas part two. And this game made that robbery feel like grand larceny as the Bevos rolled the pokes 49-21. And it wasn't even that close. Texas scored TDs on their first four possessions. That took Ollie Gordon right out of the game. He had just 13 carries for 34 yards. Ouch. And worried about Bowman being able to get it done. Didn't think he could. And he was just too inconsistent on Saturday. And Quinn Ewers had the game of his life. 35 of 46, 452, four touchdowns, an interception. And the only person as salty or saltier than Sooner fan was Brett Yormark having to give that trophy to one of the two cash cows leaving his precious Big 12. And after that game, we all went to hater mode and became major FSU fans. If FSU can just finish the job, stay undefeated, they're going to be in. Georgia, number one, Georgia versus number eight, Alabama, the dog six-point favorites. We mentioned in the last show that the last time Georgia lost a game was December 4th, 2021, the SEC championship game. And that was a 41-24 loss to Alabama. Well, as the great Yogi Berra used to say, it's deja vu all over again. Not the blowout that that game was, but nonetheless, a 27-24 Bama win. Jalen Milrow just way too much for the dogs. The irony is had a 4th and 31 not happened last week or the week before in that Bama-Auburn game, there would have been a lot less controversy this week. And I said going into that SEC championship game that I felt like Georgia was the better team, but I didn't know when the last time they had to dig deep was. They'd not been tested in so long. And part of that was, well, because they were just so much better than all their opponents and that Jalen Milrow would have to play the game of his life. If he did that, chaos would ensue. Well, he did and it did. And chaos, that's an understatement. We'll get to it. Trust me. Number two, Michigan versus number 16, Iowa. 21 and a half point favorites. And if you are a fan of offense or compelling football, this was not the game for you. And it went exactly as expected. Complete domination by the Wolverines. With Harbs back on the sideline, Michigan rolls 26-0. They couldn't get much going against that tough Iowa defense. But Iowa couldn't get anything going, and I mean anything. Only 155 total yards for the Hawkeyes. The game, yeah, it was boring. Not a championship caliber game, if you ask me. The number 14, Louisville, versus number four, Florida State. Seminoles, two-and-a-half-point favorites. The Knowles, they win a grimy defensive battle, 16-6. to 
We knew it would be tough for Tate Rodemaker to do enough to win. Well, it was even tougher for the true freshman quarterback, Brock Glenn. A brutal situation for his first start in college. And it was gross, but they got enough from their run game. And that FSU defense was sick AF. Not a sexy game, but the Knolls just needed to survive. Looks like they weren't gonna after Louisville blocked an FSU punt. It looked like Louisville might finally break through. But Tatum Bethune, a huge interception in the end zone for the Knolls, ending that scoring threat. FSU up 13-6, 3-13 left in the game. Knowles D just needed one more stop, and they got it. Florida State wins 16-6. And as bad as it was on offense, that defense was insane in the membrane. They gave up less than 200 total yards. Yo, doggies up. They hit my man Mike Norvell with three Gatorade bass. He was freezing. I say, what's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. So even with the true freshman quarterback getting his first start of his college career in a championship game, the Knowles find a way, lean on that defense, finish the season a perfect 13 and oh. So we have three undefeated conference champs and one spot left for a one loss conference champ. They've told us for years that the schedule matters. And now they do the complete opposite. So when the final CFP rankings came out on Sunday, the outrage was flowing as the committee gave us number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, number three, Texas, and number four, Bama. Can't help but notice a 13-0 Florida State is nowhere to be found. And not one, but two one-loss teams. Hmm. The committee says it was due to no Jordan Travis. But last week there was no Jordan Travis, and FSU was still the CFP committee's fourth-best team. Still the AP's and the coaches' fourth-best team. And now the Knowles even with the true freshman quarterback getting his first start of his college career, find a way to win. They lean on that sick defense and beat the CFP's 14th ranked team in Louisville. Finish the season a perfect 13 and 0 and actually drop a spot. The committee moved them up last week after their win over Florida. They beat a better team under harsher circumstance, winning a conference championship and they're punished for it. They say, oh, Florida State will get killed by those top four teams. The coaches don't agree. They still have Florida State ranked as the third best team in the nation. The AP doesn't agree. They still have them ranked as the fourth best team. And if Georgia is going to kill FSU, why did the committee leave Florida State ranked higher than Georgia? If they're going to beat their ass, they should be in front of them. And then Texas beats a three-loss 18th-ranked team and jumps up four spots because of when they had in September. 
Georgia, the best team in the country for almost three years, loses a game after a very sus call on a fourth down, and they lose a game by a field goal by three points, and they drop five spots. Oregon lost to the same team twice and only dropped three spots. I don't even think you can justify moving Bama up four spots for beating Georgia. Bama's a good team. Not saying they're not. They're a better team now than they were in September, but that shouldn't matter. Winning teams have never moved up that far in a conference championship game after it, and losing teams had never fallen that far. This decision decision reeks of sponsorships media contracts and things that are not football related thank god we are moving to a 12 team playoff you win all your games you're a power five you should be in doesn't matter what a bunch of gray hairs think i'm sorry it doesn't you proved it on the field. You should be given the opportunity, not because of what somebody thinks might happen. And if that wasn't infuriating enough, the CFP still had enough left to sizzle the Sooners. How about that? Sooners landed 12 in the final CFP rankings, which is not my point of contention, but that they land behind Mizzou, Penn State, and Ole Miss. That's the rub. Not only that, but all three of those teams in front of the Sooners landed New Year's Six Bowls. Hmm. Leaving the Sooners with a much less desirable Alamo Bowl versus the Arizona Wildcats. As to why the Sooners got left out of the New Year's Six mix, Boo Corrigan stated, the record's in Bedlam, the loss to Kansas, and as we weighed that in relation to Mississippi, Penn State, Missouri, the committee came in with Oklahoma at 12. When asked if Oklahoma's quality win over Texas and other wins that they had over SMU and bowl uh, eligible teams, where did those fit in the conversation, Boo said, very much part of the discussion as we were going through it, Missouri has got the win over Kansas State and Tennessee. Penn State, the two games they lost were to Ohio State and Michigan, including a big win over Iowa. The team that everyone saw last night defensively is really good to win that game 31 nothing. Again, Mississippi had the season they had. What a bunch of bull crap. Iowa got shut out more than once on this season. Penn State beat Iowa, and that's a better win than OU beating Texas. Oklahoma's two losses were by a total of eight points. Ole Miss gets blown out by 35 to Georgia, who is supposedly only the sixth best team in the country. OU beat two conference champions. Penn State and Ole Miss both only had one win over ranked teams, and they both 
lost both games to the best teams on their schedule. Oh, you had six wins over bowl teams. Penn State and Ole Miss both had one less than the Sooners. And it's not that Arizona isn't a good opponent. They are a very good opponent. I here on the West Coast got to see a lot of their games, and that is a program that's going in the right direction. It's going to be a tough game. Believe that. But the Sooners had done enough to earn a New Year's Six Bowl. And this crap committee did them dirty. And if you're going to do us dirty like that, at least give us a bowl game versus USC. Was that so hard to do? You know, Sooner Nation is not feeling super stoked for the Alamo Bowl. I mean, it's great to get these extra practices and go to a bowl game, but at least everybody would have been fired up for the USC game. This one, they're going to have to dig deep for motivation. They better be able to find it or they're going to get whooped out of the stadium. I'm just sick of having old dudes decide things of this nature. Can't wait for the 12-team playoff. There'll still be some hurt feelings, but it won't be as embarrassing as this debacle was. Can't tell me Florida State had no business being in there. I don't care what you think about their backup quarterback. Yeah, they struggled, but that was dude's first playing action against, you know, sweeping up. Uh, against Southern Alabama, whoever the hell it was, and then beating Florida. And Brock Meyer was just missing the ACC championship. He'll be healthy in time for a bowl game. And that defense still held on. A quarterback with no experience going up against a top 15 team, and they found a way to get it done. They've got a great running game, and they've got a great defense. So you tell me all those other kids have no chance. Impossible. Oh, because TCU got blown out by Georgia last year. TCU beat Michigan to get in that championship game. Georgia was a missed Ohio State field goal away from not even being in the game. So don't tell me you know what's going to happen. If we knew what was going to happen, Vegas wouldn't have all these casinos in the middle of nowhere making tons of money. Sports betting wouldn't be there. If everybody knows what's going to happen, just because you think it is doesn't mean you know it is. Very frustrating. But thank God we're moving away from the lame four-team playoff. Hmm. I guess there is no way anything else could have happened in such a heavy news weekend in college football. That's what Monday was for. Sooner Nation found out on Monday morning that Dylan Gabriel would be entering the transfer portal. Got mixed feelings on this one. Hate to see dude go. DG had a very prolific two years with the Sooners. Had us eight points away from a CFP berth this year. Loved everything dude was about. Now, there's always a portion of Sooner Nation that will never be happy. But I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for Dylan Gabriel and his contributions 
to the program, both on and off the field. He did absolutely everything the right way and was a great teammate and leader and an even better person and a great representation of what we want the program to be. Absolutely the kind of dude you want repping the program. Not only that, he provided Jackson Arnold with tremendous mentorship. He really helped guide Arnold and get him ready for what lies ahead. Definitely going to be sad to see this dude go. And this second year in the offense was even better than last year. I know it's tough because it's, you know, Arnold's time to go, but this guy was playing great football. And I can only imagine one more year in college, what type of numbers he'll put up. Now, there is some speculation that Gabriel will wind up at Mississippi State with Jeff Levy, but there will be a ton of suitors trying to court DG to their teams. And if it is a to the highest bidder situation, my man is going to get paid and it will be well-deserved. He might be the best free agent, air quotes, quarterback available. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more big names to hit the portal between now and next season. And now these quarterbacks that are are experienced, they're going to be in high demand, especially if a coach feels their team is right. What's that going to mean for up-and-coming youngsters? Big recruits, we'll see. It's all changing. We mentioned that in the very first show. Enjoy this last year of college football the way it is. Because the times, they are a-changing. That's right. It's a little Bobby Dylan for the people. Big playoff coming. That's all I I can think about. Just keep that in mind that at least we're going to have that. You can go ahead and add Dylan Gabriel to the list of Tawi Walker, Marcus Major, Nate Anderson, Savion Bird, Reggie Grimes, Key Lawrence. I'm sure there's going to be more, but there will also be Portalers. It's a new word I made up, Portaler. There'll be new portalers coming in to OU soon. Let's get back to Jackson Arnold. I am super freaking stoked about this guy. It's his time now. And I know that also stokes Sooner Nation out. They are completely stoked. And the future looks so, so bright with this guy. And now we're going to get to see that future in just a few short weeks at the Alamo Bowl. And there is no doubt that we will have a complete preview of that game soon. And of course, we will follow all the bowl action between now and the national championship. Crazy. Regular season in the books. It flew by. It slipped away. It always feels like it's slipping away, but it gone. But keep it locked. Sooner state of mind, all off season, and we will hook you up. Head on over to believe.com. That's B L E A V.com. Go to shows, type in Sooner State of Mind. Boom. 
It's right there for you. A ton of great content, no matter what you're looking for. Pro, college, baseball, basketball, football. Every team, every topic, everywhere. Believe.com. If you want to watch Sooner State of Mind, head on over to YouTube and search the Football Dudes. We are there. Sooner State of Mind is brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Casey Mallon, and I am in Sooner State of Mind.